right. so this is our this is our first review of something from a distributor maybe mm-hmm. last <laughs> maybe last yeah <laughs> That was one of the things I was thinking about the other day. I was like, I don't know if we're going to like dance around and try and be polite like we did when no. we did our first user review. Like when we did... Uh, I've always thought about that. How I to feel be a like serial we, killer. Yeah, and we did. We, cut, we started dancing around that. And then by the end, we were just like, yeah, no, it's crap. And we, <laughs> we never heard back from that poor person. Oh, no. Yeah, but we got to be honest. Yeah. 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 I mean, what's what's the worst that's gonna happen? They'll not make us watch more shitty movies. <laughs> Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail, so there will be spoilers. I'm Brian. I'm Nate. I'm Steve. I'm Tom. And I'm Kevin. Let's see. This week, this podcast was my choice, uh, and I chose to see the movie Brightburn. And instead of a traditional pairing to a theme, we actually were requested by a distribution studio to watch their movie, uh, The House of Sweat and Tears, which is a Spanish film. We're going to start with Brightburn, uh, directed by David Iraveski. Uh, starring Elizabeth Banks, David Denman, and Jackson A. Dunn. Uh, this AKA movie, 12-year-old Scott Lang. <laughs> oh. I was trying to I was trying to figure out where I've seen him before, and I looked him up, and he he played 12-year-old Scott Lang in Endgame. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he when he get when he gets zapped back, and he's in the suit, and he's like, "What?" Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this movie is a. Slightly different telling of the Superman origin story. Just, a bit. just by a whisker. Um, <laughs> a more realistic telling of the Superman story. I mean, it's more realistic if we can get over the whole fact that an alien would show up looking exactly like a humanoid who could fly around and blast lasers out of his eyes. Yeah, I don't, yes. see, I don't see an issue with that. <laughs> so anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's start off here and let's start with Tom. What did you think of Brightburn? <clears throat> Uh, I did. I did not prepare my thoughts for this. Um, let's see. <laughs> I was gonna say, pull no punches, just go. Yeah. All right. I've been trying to not pay attention. I usually try not to pay attention to reviews, but I occasionally visit Rotten Tomatoes, so I just happened to see the freshness rating or whatever they call it. So I saw that it wasn't getting great reviews. I didn't think it was bad. It just I found myself a lot during the running time asking questions like why is this happening or why is that happening like why would dwight schrute's cousin suddenly jump in the van and take off down the road like why would he leave his girlfriend and leave his wife behind yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i was like yeah. why because he has to be out in the middle of nowhere you know elizabeth banks was very good she always is that's actually where i disagree with you yeah i think that she's the weakest part of the movie i disagree really? with you tom and agree with steve on that yeah and I disagree with Nate and Brian, even though they haven't said anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's her fault, though. I don't think her it's her fault that yeah, I mean, she was the weakest the ending, part of the movie. I, I might agree with you. Like, at the ending, I don't feel like she was reacting the way she should have been. But yeah, I think that's a directing thing. A the lot of this the, is a directing problem. A the lot rest of the this. cast is okay. Obviously, we go into spoilers here. Um, the ending, I actually feel like, would have been more affecting if she had actually taken him out oh i disagree with that well steve you could just disagree with everything i'm saying <laughs> fine whatever why don't you go ahead and review brightburn <laughs> well, well, I, I didn't ask reasons. steve to review yeah. brightburn but <laughs> no i didn't no. i just i think the, the ending is actually terrible that's about all i gotta say i agree with you on that but i mean that the ending i think is actually the most interesting part of the movie potentially I, interesting potentially interesting yeah um I, I like that they didn't – the story wasn't over, even though I don't don't think – and I, I think it would be really disappointing if they made any sequels for various reasons. But the ending is the – like if it ended like she actually took him out, I think that would have been – I don't know. That would have felt even cheaper than it already feels. I could see that because knowing the, the story and, and there's a, a massive amount of, of history to this character. Mm-hmm. If she were to just take him out, I could I could see 
your your point it it would seem unfair kind of cheap kind of easy to take him out there in hindsight this character you're talking about you're talking about superman yes superman um, this isn't actually I, superman i know it's not technically superman but it's superman I, it's, it's superman it is in the sense that He's a, he's, a, he's a predator, not a pollinator. Yes. Yes. And actually, I didn't realize that, Steve, until you pointed that out. We can talk about oh, that in yeah. a minute. That was one um, of my disappointing things in the movie. But I I don't care if you're 6 or 60, you know who Superman is. Yeah. And if she were to have taken him out then, although you would have had that immediate satisfaction, I think in hindsight, it, it would have felt simple. It yeah. would have felt cheap. Um, so I, I, I kind of agree with while I was sitting in the theater and, and, and wished she did it and I was upset when he stopped her, um, that was one of the better decisions that was made in the film. Mm-hmm. I wasn't actually like emotionally invested in whether or not she killed oh. him. I just thought it would have been in, in terms of her arc, it would have been more interesting. Yeah, I was emotionally mm-hmm. invested because he's such a little turd Yeah, and he needs to just die that like I, I actually felt like the opposite. Kind of like it. It would have been immediately sure more satisfying, and I get it builds potential. But what I had watched doesn't make me look forward to any sort of potential other film. So like the fact that they that it's not just one film that comes to an end. By that time, I was I was just done with it. Um, I, I think it is yeah. one film that comes. I think it's it's a. I mean, it's a satisfying ending. I, I'm defending this movie more than <laughs> I want to, but it's. A, I think it's a if for that movie. I think it's a satisfying ending. It's not an ending where the good guys win, but I think that's kind of the point of the entire movie is that someone comes, someone has these powers. There's nothing we can do. We're done. I think following that up with a gag it took the wind out of it a lot because the Michael Rooker thing is a gag. Oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But that was it was during the credits. Yeah. And he's what, starting forest fires? Like, that's his plan after he kills his mother is to start forest fires? Like, there's two questions I'm curious how other people felt about. One is how you felt about the kid as a performer in that role. Um, the other question is, I think I found it less interesting that the evil was coming from an external source. Like, it was the ship sending him messages mm-hmm. rather than him just hitting puberty and turning into an evil kid yeah i I found that less interesting uh i know they were trying to do a they were trying to make the the whole thing to be about a you know essentially he's a wasp and you know like yeah when when he gets picked up by the parents like that that ship must have done some sort of like i don't know they, they, they were trying to do like the whole certain wasps take care of their we force their babies to be taken care of by other insects and yada yada yada. So I mean, he's a, par- I, I know, he's a parasite. Yeah, and I know they were trying to do to do that, but I agree with you. I think at it some wasn't, point it wasn't a strong enough theme if they were to go for that. No, I, I don't think they were. But I, I, I agree with you, Tom, that it was probably a, a kid these days would probably once he finds out that he can't be hurt. And he has super strength, especially if he's being bullied. Mm-hmm. He's going to test it out. So I, I do agree that if if it if it didn't do that outside force, you know, making him do this stuff, I, I think that probably would have been more interesting. Yeah, I think bullying would have been an interesting theme to take, but they didn't really. Yeah, it almost it almost I'm I'm trying to it's not like... think about a better movie that kind of did the same thing. <laughs> um I'm trying not to think about uh, what was one of the uh, origin superhero movies we did about two years ago. Chronicle. Chronicle. No, it was oh. Chronicle. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. that I think Chronicle did this to some degree better, but um, well, yeah, it did. Like you were saying, Brian, but they, it wasn't the same. Right. The kids were a little bit older, but mm-hmm. it was still kind of hey, we're we're kids and we've now got these powers. Yeah. But because they were older, they weren't. They weren't fighting necessarily against puberty in their own selves. They had already, you know, more or less passed that. And it was, yeah. it was. They somewhat understand was, consequences. And right. Like it was purely social yeah. drives for most of them. Yeah, I think th- this movie's a lot more interesting conceptually than it is in execution. Agreed. Yeah. And like, I actually like slow burn horror movies a lot, but this one was like really testing my patience. 
I feel like all the times where he was supposed to be like threatening, it just dragged on so much. And it was like, just do something. Like when he showed up at his aunt's house. Yeah. And then he just just like kept creeping around the corners of the screen or whatever. And I was like, is he going to actually do something? And then he goes after the husband. Yeah. Who just drives away for no reason. I have this was the longest hour and a half movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I, I, I I'd, mean, I'd agree with you. Yeah. There were a number of times when I was sitting in the theater, I, I had to remind myself, well, it's only an hour and a half. And I'm gone. It felt like two hours already because sometimes it was just dragging on and on. Yeah. I, I thought, Tom, to your question earlier, the uh, the actor who, who played the son, Jackson, uh, Jackson Dunn. Yeah, who played Brandon. I thought he did a great job because there were a number of times I didn't look at it specifically for this, but it felt this way. In a single camera shot, he had to go from this sadistic alien-controlled kid to a 12- or 13-year-old who still had to kind of try and cover his tracks to his parents. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like any other twelve or thirteen year old. No, I was, I was at my friend Bobby's house, and I was just too late, or you know, whatever the excuse was. That was believable. His performance was believable. Elizabeth Banks was not. Part and of the uh, problem is that this. I, I I I get what you're saying about his performance. Part of the problem is they don't really ask him to do anything outside of just that switch. And I think the directing and the writing kind of gives these characters like a lot of just sort of a. They have arcs, but they're very. One note arcs like poor David Denham's. He's basically been typecast as the teddy bear that like explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Denman, sorry. And how terrible of a parent is he? He's like, I think my kid might have done something wrong. So my first solution is to shoot him in the back of the head. No, that is not his first solution. (laughs) Yes, it is. I mean, he's like, I I suspect him of being like this shitty alien. So I'm going to take him out and shoot him in the back of the head. Like, like, what 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 about trying to maybe talk to the kid? Say, hey, you have these powers, right? Maybe we can nope, do some I good with them. For that, that's a logical conclusion. Honestly. I know. If if your idea of of confronting your kids is first put a bullet through their head, please don't have if, kids. If my kid is like melting somebody's face, yes, yeah, but he doesn't know at that point. One. I know, but the thing is, and and this is where I I think it's. A combination of the writer and and the director for the mother. I I don't think. Uh, I actually I'm going to put this on the director and the actress. I, it was so unbelievable about her performance. No, I know my son's a murderer, but sh- he's still my son, and I'm going to do everything I can. Yeah. And the father was the realist that was like, "Look, sorry, honey, our kid's a fucking murderer. I need, excuse me, to put a bullet in his." I mean. He goes through the scene where he's looking at all the stuff he did, and you could tell he's going. Two As, days ago, I watched my son eat breakfast and chew on the fork. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so but, I think I'm going to be able to shoot him? Right. That's that's the thing yeah. that I, I don't believe. is like, <laughs> you should be able to put two and two together. This kid's bulletproof. Like, you need a better plan. But nobody right. tried to sit down and be like, hey, maybe you should not be shitty. Like, nobody. <laughs> the Everybody guidance just... counselor tried. Yeah, but she didn't know what was going on. Yeah, right. she didn't and know. Like his nobody mom tries, and it's just okay. It's, yeah, do you guys well, not? His okay. mom tried. I found, her, I found her. He uh, flat out crushed a girl's hand. You know the kid screwed up. Yeah, but just because your kid screwed up doesn't mean you put a bullet there. No, no I, I agree. But you know, <laughs> you at least make an effort. There, to talk there, to there them are first. a number of things going on, <laughs> and he shoved him through. I'm sorry, if my son tried to shove me through a china closet after crushing a little twelve year old girl's hand, I'm gonna fuck him up. But <laughs> the thing is, I mean, it's a if you 12, can, yeah, yeah exactly. It's a yeah, kid, it, what? I'm just saying, like, every kid has a, every, especially guys have that moment where they, like, stand up to their father. They do something stupid. They don't realize the consequences of violence. You talk to them and try to, like, fix it, right? Nobody attempts that. His first decision is, well, I guess I got to put this one down. Like, <laughs> you know, at least make an effort to, like, turn him good. Nobody tries that. <laughs> you saw how awkward the sex co- conversation was. <laughs> that, I don't. That's think, <laughs> the best scene in this movie. <laughs> I don't think he really had it in his bag of tricks to do that. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't blame him. Especially when his response that was, is, the, that was the second worst sex talk I've ever heard. <laughs> First one after, was after the one that I received. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was after my dad had the talk with me. I was more confused than I was. Before. <laughs> so you mean like now, like right now? <laughs> yeah, that was nice. no, da- Kevin. I've had about three decades in between. That David no, David no. really cleared things up for him. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, it's about my. Sometimes oh, it's okay it's to touch it and play penis. with it. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad I don't have sons. Yeah. Oh. Dodged a bullet there. Oh. Yeah, girls are easy. Yeah, because sure, girls right? don't have to deal with sex at all. Yeah, but the yeah. mother, the mother has to talk with yeah. them. So you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, you just have to deal with the boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and all true. you have to do is, as soon as they walk in, look at them. Go. You're not good enough for my daughter. You never will be. That's the end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've chased away many boys with that. So, uh, I was. We were talking. Steve and I were talking to a couple of friends about this, and um, well, uh, Scott Stubb. Those that are listening, he's been on the podcast before, so he's genuinely interested in movies, and and if we see them beforehand, and it was, uh, I, I think, common to to both Steve and I that while the idea of this, the the idea that hey, if somebody gets superpowers, they're not always going to be good. Um, we, we've seen before where you, you always have a villain, obviously. Yeah. But in, in this case, taking what society has seen as just a pure person, only have good intentions in mind, maybe that's not always the case. Um, I did like the fact, uh, Nate, you were talking about earlier that, you know, in this case, the alien interaction is what turned him. It wasn't just a, hey, my biological clock is ticking. I'm 13. Boom. Now I'm evil. Yeah. It was an external factor that I think allowed us as the viewer to look at this and, and be okay with the fact that he was turning initially mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that he chose to do by himself for, you know, no rhyme or reason. But that's why it's less interesting to me is because it, it, gives, you, it gives you that out in your mind. It's like, oh, it's not just him making this decision. It's some external force playing on his mind. Well, I Which, think it also it also has no thematic grounding. Like, it can't decide yeah. what it wants the theme to be. Should it be yeah. good versus evil? Should it be like growing up in puberty? Should it be mother and son? Should it be like childhood? It's it's a lot more concerned with jump scares, and it really never it never surprised me or scared me for a horror film. It grossed me out occasionally with some of the gore, but a, a horror film should terrify you a little bit. That's kind of what we go there for. There should be a bit of tension, and this didn't. I don't know. There, none of that. To me, there there are some scenes. It none of the jump scares, but there are some scenes where he's just sort of sitting there, and his eyes are glowing with that mask that I thought were pretty like jarring. To yeah, me, I, I'm I'm a visually jarring. That's not a big deal. <laughs> that's <game>. a Tuesday. <laughs> no, I this had a lot of moments like that where it was like it was a cool visual. Yeah, but. Then individual scenes where they were trying to make him scary just were going on far too long. I mean, genuinely, it, it seems scary. There was, uh, I think it was when the um, Schrute's cousin, I forget his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel horrible referencing him that way. No, it wasn't Mo. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the friend of, the, of Dunman. Um, okay, you're thinking of Mo's, first of all, and it wasn't Mo's. No, no, I, not no. Mo's. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, not uh, Mo. Moe's not Mo. Hang on, hang on. It there wasn't Moe's. The actor's name Matt, is Matt Jones, Jones, who played yeah, yeah Noah yeah Noah in the movie. So uh, when Noah's trying to stupidly escape, um, there was one scene in that that I legitimately jumped in, in the theater just because the, the tension of the time and I I enjoyed. The, I haven't jumped in a movie theater in a long time, uh, so I did enjoy that. And there were some. Uh, classic horror tropes that it went through that I enjoyed, but ultimately it, it the last, I don't want to say the last third, the last quarter of the movie was very disappointing for, for a number of reasons. Some we've talked about before, but when uh, he's bringing her up into the sky and they're going through this whole, you know, thing where they're looking at each other and it's slow motion and she's falling back down. It looked like something you'd see 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, it's, I was just waiting for the plane to show up at that point. Right. Because uh, I'd seen it in the trailer and it hadn't happened yet. And I was like, okay, so he's going to uh, kill his mom and then the plane's right. going to show up. 
It's like, when is this scene going to happen? You know? Yeah. That's a fault of the trailer. I never actually saw a trailer. Yeah. I'd, I'd watched one. I didn't notice that. But yeah, at that point, I, I'd kind of written it off. I had stopped really investing any mental time about a half hour before that. Well, it seemed like the, the movie, back to some of the gore, like it didn't, it seemed out of place. You know, like in a movie like Saw, you go and you expect to see gore, right? A lot of horror movies you see gore. But like the whole glass in the eye thing. That, oh, I that love didn't, that. That was awful, by the way. <laughs> but I, yeah. I couldn't watch it. But why was that there? It didn't forward the story. There was no reason for that scene other than just yeah. gross out. Same thing with the jaw thing. That was right, right. That was cool. But there so was no, no airbags in that. No airbags in that vehicle, I'm assuming. Yeah, oh, yeah. There was no reason for that scene. Like, I don't have no problem with the gore. I don't like it, but I have no problem with it if it's in service to the story. Right. Yeah, like him him melting his dad's face, the gore there works because we're seeing Yeah, that made action. sense. Right. At the, at the end when she goes to the um ship and turns the lights on and he's um un- eviscerated the woman that that you 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 get that serial killer vibe where he's been experimenting right. with organs you you're not you have all this potential and you're wasting it for just a really cheap blood splatter. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know. It's such a cool idea. Why are you wasting time on glass in somebody's eye? Get back to the idea. I I agree with you on the 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 car accident in the jaw that was excessive mm-hmm. but when i saw that the glass go into her eye not that i wanted that but i can't tell you how many times i've seen movies where glass breaks or or light bulbs break and the no people one gets hurt. Yeah. exactly nobody gets hurt so i felt finally satisfied by going it's about time somebody got fucking glass in their <laughs> eye <laughs> I, not that i wanted to see it but i had no problems with did. that you know, well, it, it did. It did make it harder. She wasn't able to see what she was fighting. Yeah, it allowed them to have that cool effect of one side being red. She has to close well, her you eye. Kind of, I gotta say, I knew early on in the film that it was going to be a little rough because there's that introductory scene where they're like, you know, they're about to try and make a baby, and then mm-hmm. the house shakes and they see the thing crash, and then it cuts to the uh, home videos of him growing up. Yeah. Right. Which is fine. That that was all fine, and they made it look they made it look authentic with the video and all that. Um, and then he's about what five, six, seven years old, and then it cuts to ten years later, and I'm like, so is he sixteen now? <laughs> no, he's twelve. So ten years after what? Like ten years after the crash? <laughs> yeah. Ten yeah. years after? It didn't make any sense. And and that was like from that point on, I kept. It, it seemed like every couple of minutes i was asking a question about why something was happening the way it was happening so i early on there's that that scene we've mentioned already a couple times where he talks about the wasp and explains the wasp and and that was the scene where i'm like okay this movie doesn't trust its audience because he's you know like that scene you know at least i knew immediately oh he's describing himself and what happened yeah yeah like i knew exactly what he was doing there and that was like oh he thinks i'm dumb so he has to explain to me what's going on but the other thing was, I also got really intrigued by that idea of basically some aliens seeding our world so that way we and they're a parasite. But then the rest of the movie didn't explore that yeah, until the right. very end where it start. It kind of does. And that that was the interesting part of the story. So like you, I think Nate said, this movie couldn't decide what mm-hmm. it wanted to be about. And I was really hoping it was about what he was talking about. And it wasn't. And there's lots of annoying I, honestly, little cliches. Honestly, yeah. I didn't even think about that thematically until you guys started talking about it. Yeah, I hadn't either until Steve mentioned it. And and then as soon as he did, it was like that light bulb where it's like, oh, yeah, it's obvious once he, he, you think about it that way. And I, rem- I remember the scene of him, of them talking about wasps and bees. But yeah, they, they keep dropping these little thematic nuggets that would be interesting to explore, but they don't. Yeah, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as uh, – and the end part of that scene where he's answering the teacher there and then you had the one kid off to the side who kind of talks about him being – A maggot. A maggot. Thank yeah. you. I, and that's what oh, I focused on. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's it, this is about, you know, hey, don't be a bully. Otherwise, you're going to get your eyes melted out or whatever the case <laughs> may be. Um, and, and that kid didn't even get his comeuppance. I know. I was kind of pissed, But he actually. doesn't deserve a comeuppance. It was just really a stupid doesn't. joke. Yeah, he just, he just I know he doesn't. I know he doesn't. You could tell he's a bully. At the same time, 
you feel like in the way that this movie is right yeah true it would have done it yeah and it didn't do it and it's really inconsistent with his attitude toward the girl also yeah that was that was weird that was uncomfortable yeah, I, I got really uncomfortable in a couple of those scenes, like really. I was nervous about where it was going to go. Yeah, that's for yeah. Sure. Especially after that was, sex talk. Yeah, right after the sex talk. <laughs> Sometimes like you just got to give in. No, don't yeah. tell him that. Exactly. And I was like, this dad has said nothing about respecting women. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yep. He just went right from, you know, it's okay to play with your penis and you're going to like girls. And, you know, sometimes you just got to go with that. It's like cut to this little girl's bedroom. Yeah. 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 And I'm glad they didn't, even though it's kind of another thematic cop out, but I'm glad I didn't have to watch it. Um, But I mean, that's part of the terrible parenting. Like when you have mm. a a sex talk, you like that should be part of the conversation. Right. Rather than just Mm. sometimes you're going to want to get your jollies off and go for it. You know, (laughs) like basically that's what he said. And like that that's not all the conversation should be like this guy's a terrible dad. Terrible dad. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's terrible, but he's... Yeah, to, be, to be fair, that is a difficult conversation for a man to have. Um, and like I said, I've heard much worse explanations. <laughs> so, yeah, his uh, his his parenting technique up until that point was just give it candy. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I was really, certain was going to come back. <laughs> yeah. Wait, they kind of they kind of glossed it over, but he did just admit to giving a baby hard candy, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. A oh baby. gosh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's an we alien baby. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. no, he said the first there. time. The first time he had to be alone with that kid. Yeah. If he could chew a fork, hard candy's nothing. Yeah, he's no, he's fine. He didn't know that. Kids are resilient. <laughs> he was testing. It's yeah. a scientific method. It's fine. The last thing I would because I started off saying Elizabeth Banks, I don't think she was very good in this. Um, and I don't think that because I think she is, she is a good actress mm-hmm. uh, with the right director. I don't think she's great at this kind of role. Like I, she's gotten to the point, at least in my head, where she's like um, Will Ferrell. Oh, no, Will Ferrell's not even a good example. But someone who like I have a hard time. She's she's a great comedian. Actually, mm-hmm. she, she's a great comedic she's got really actress. good timing. I have a hard time seeing her in a non-comedic role anymore where I just expect her to be saying something funny or absurd or like I, I she maybe it's she's typecast in my head. But to, as a dramatic sort of doting mother, I, she just does not strike me as that character at all. I don't think it's you because we've seen other actors make that transition. And not affect well, she didn't your have to experience. Make the transition. She didn't start out, you know, being a Judd Apatow supporting character. Yeah. No, but I mean, the, the fact, like, I but wasn't good e- at it. I wasn't expecting comedy from her. I honestly wasn't at this point. I, I, this movie could have used some, though. True. I just, I, I think her role was the most difficult to portray. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I, she had the hardest time to convince you, um, and. and like I, I don't said, think but, the script or the director gives her the opportunity to do that. It just yeah. demands that the performance like communicate this to us, and it just it just can't. Yeah, you, you at some point there is a limit. Yeah. to what an actor can do. There's a massive transition that has to happen there when you know you, you've got this mother who can't have children, gets a child. Oh my God, the child's an alien. Oh my God, the child's a killer alien, and <laughs> you know that's a a huge burden to take on to show to convey that emotion so it was really tough that's why i don't i don't fault her solely for it no i don't fault her but i yeah i mean but i I, it's not some actresses regardless or actors regardless of the director can elevate their performance to what it needs to be even if the director's not quite up to snuff Uh, maybe the rest of the movie doesn't but the uh, she in this kind of role i don't think she's capable of doing it on her own she needed a director to help her get to that point. She might have been able to with the right director, but mm. not on her own. She can't. So now we can move to grades? Sure. <laughs> okay. But wait, there's one more. No, I'm just kidding. There's one more thing. Yes, you're right, Kevin. What's your grade? <laughs> I'm going to give this a C. Right. Dave? <sighs> um, I've been wavering between a B and a C. And the only reason I give it a B is because I, I do really, really like the concept. and. I, it 
it does some interesting things with this, this idea of if Superman was a little shitty middle schooler, right? That's great because he would be a shitty middle schooler, right? I mean, it, he would do Right, terrible. but that's not what this movie did. I know. I, and that's, that's what I got to kind of remind myself. That's what it promised. And it doesn't really fully deliver on that. Um, so you moved up a grade. I'm not complaining about it, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're giving it the participation award. No, I just I, I I'm grading kind of what I wanted this movie to be. I, I guess I'll have to give it a C because it does. <laughs> no, I just sorry, Brian. like I really wanted this no, to be that I movie. Into it with yeah, it. yeah. And there are there are I I do think there are scenes in this that show that pretty well, actually. Him being a shitty middle schooler that doesn't understand consequences. And I think the yeah. whole crushing her hand thing was was that scene. I actually like that scene because it's just him being getting angry and not realizing what he can do to a person. Yeah. Right? But the problem is he oh, shows, he realized it. Yeah. If afterwards he'd shown remorse, that would have been interesting. Right. The fact that he doesn't, that's when it becomes like, oh, yeah, this is never there's you know, never a moment in this movie of him like he has no depth. Yeah. Seesawing yeah. between yeah. being a good kid and being this alien getting evil messages. Yeah, to once take he the got the evil messages, there was no going back for him. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no there's no moral struggle going on here. The the, the close the closest thing you had to him going back to being a regular kid was when his mom woke him up when he was in the barn for the first time. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, when it, when his when his dad took him hunting, he seemed like he was being a pretty normal kid all of a sudden. Until he got pinged and, in the back of the head. Yeah. And then his dad shoots him in the back of the head. And it's like, well. Because that's how you disappoint children. Yeah, you messed goes. up my like part, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nate. Uh, I'm going to give this a D. There's one good scene in this. It's like the nightmare scene. That they the kind of use as a flashbook. Scene? Yeah, the dad's nightmare oh, scene. Yeah. Is, that seems kind of kind of interesting. Oh, I didn't um, think that. We have talked... is like is that a nightmare or is it like actually a memory? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's a nightmare. I mean, he I wakes up in little both. Yeah, yeah. The the forest is right outside his bedroom door. I mean, yeah. So I I that that scene is kind of the only reason it's not enough for me. Um, we haven't talked about it. This movie has a lot of like education cliches that movies do that really get on my nerves. So that doesn't help. Like the uh, the weird thing of having combative parents in the same room with like a principal. Uh-huh. It's like a conflict resolution. Oh, that, yeah. that doesn't happen, or at least it shouldn't, because <laughs> of the mess that you saw in that movie. Like you don't do that, and yeah. so like stuff like that, like really annoys me. Or even the counselor saying, like, kind of pseudo threatening the kid, like, you know, I'm gonna have to report you to the sheriff. You wouldn't do that. You would just report the kid to the sheriff, and then let the sheriff take care of it. You know. Yeah. You must work at much better schools than. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of us have experienced. I mean, I know that, like, I know, I, I know that it like happens. Um, but like, definitely that that thing of like bringing both the parents in, like, you don't do that. Yeah, you that never really, happens. That that never happens because no no it principal. Sh- yeah, it no, no principal wants that shit show. <laughs> no principal yeah. wants these two parents because one of them is going to threaten the other to like sue, and that is the last thing any principal wants. They unfortunately, in a lot of cases, want it to like be covered up. And so that that's any time I see that in a movie, I always get like frustrated. I'm like, this is pointless. It would never happen. And it just lets parents yell at each other. So it, it gets a D. Tom, I'll stick. I came in here with a C and I feel like we've done nothing but trash this. And I think rightly so. And I think a lot of the stuff that's come up is stuff that I hadn't necessarily thought of. I don't think it had really been solid because I just saw this last night had really been solidified in my mind how thematically aimless this movie is. Um, and I feel like I've almost been talked down to a D, but I'm going to stick with my C. I am also giving it a C, which uh, sounds like if my math is correct, we're going to end up with a C average. Yes, it gets a C, which is a Cyclops from X-Men. Ooh, eye lasers. Yeah. Appropriate. Um, For once. <laughs> yeah. It's not lasers. It's a concussion beam. Let's move on to movie questions. <laughs> what does the cinematic universe for this movie look like? Oh, it's a Zack Snyder universe. <laughs> this could actually be... Uh, I, I don't want to see more of these because they clearly don't have a handle on it. 
but this could be an interesting series of movies if you have sort of this idea of the, the rise of these evil superheroes and regular people having to fight back against them. Yeah, it could if be, he's only if he, if he can only be damaged by that one spaceship. Yeah, and nobody knows that. Yeah, because he just know. killed the one person who does. So I dropped a plane I, on the I, building that. Pretty had sure I've it. mentioned this before, but I don't care. Um, there's a there's a Superman run comic run called All Star Superman, and it's about Superman old, and he gets he gets dementia, and it's it's the world trying to deal with what do we do when Superman gets dementia. And this whole run's about that. Like, what do you do? You that have this awesome. old guy being like, you know, I want to watch my Fox News. And he kills everybody in the in the city because they won't turn on Fox News for it. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, what great. do you do? And it's actually a real – it's one of the greatest Superman stories ever. And, like, they could have done that kind of thing here. Right. You know? And well, they that covered would, that idea a lot more interestingly in Logan. Yeah. 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 Logan does that. But it would, it would essentially just be, there's lots of, um, DC has these, where they go to an alternate universe, right? Yeah, Earth Elseworlds. 27. Yeah, that, was, that was Brian's yeah. original theme, was Elseworlds. That's, yeah. Yeah. There's the whole series about it, and it's really interesting. Yeah, and Superman's bad, and he's, you know... Mm-hmm. Red Sun's another one, where if he landed in right. Russia instead of the U.S. Right. Um, so, anyways, the cinematic universe for this would be that. Would, at least one that I would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Is if what if all superheroes were bad? That kind of thing. What if they were shitty people, just like people, and you know had power? Well, that's going to corrupt them and make them terrible. Heroes and Agents of Shield have both explored that. Yeah, but it would be nice to see a good movie that do something like that. Yeah. So let's add Brightburn to Flickchart. Uh, Flickchart is a website where you rank movies against each other to make a list of your favorite movies. We presently have 633 movies on our flick chart. So let's add Brightburn. Brightburn or Things Change. Things Change. I'm going Brightburn. I think I'd go Things Change. I would go back and rewatch Things Change again. Brightburn, I've seen it. I'm good. Yeah, I'll yeah. go Things Change. Same here. Things Change. All right. That moves Brightburn to the bottom half of the list. Brightburn. Oh, now that it's done that way, it makes a hell of a lot more sense on his mask. <laughs> what? Oh, just like this fan-made poster. It makes it look a hell of a lot more it sensical. Looks like, looks like the bee? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, never That's, that. See okay. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, never put those together. I never put that, yep. I was, in fact, I was wondering, I was like, what's up? We normally with superheroes, you hear about their masks and stuff. Like, I was like, why does he choose to just put this weird hood on? Right. Yeah, it looks like the, the two bees. All right. Movies about people dying. Brightburn or Amore? Amore. Amore. I think I'd go with Brightburn. <laughs> I couldn't. Amore is so depressing. I'm going with the better crafted films here at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, Amore is definitely a better crafted film, but I could not watch that again, I don't think. Could you watch Brightburn? I could watch Brightburn. I I just have to close my eyes at certain points. I have to abstain. Yeah. Uh, Brightburn or The Possession? Brightburn. 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 I haven't seen Possession. Hang on. I know it doesn't matter vote-wise, but... That's the... The only thing The Possession has going for is that it depends more on Jewish lore than Christian lore, which a lot of Exorcism movies don't. Oh, the possession. Yeah, yeah. I know you guys don't like child possession, but no, that was a better movie. I don't think anyone likes child possession, Kevin. Oh, love that child possession. (laughs) Totally my wheelhouse. Oh, actually, you're right, Tom. I didn't even think about it that way. Oh yeah, Brightburn is is kind of a child possession. Yeah. Wow. I'm giving this movie an A. No, I'm just. I'm kidding. Brightburn or Devil? Devil. Brightburn. Devil did have a thematic yeah. through line that it committed to. Whatever. Brightburn. I can't I'm forget going. Night. He didn't what? direct that, though. He was in involved. Night he was he involved. I'm going Devil. Yeah, I'm going Devil. Devil wins. Ooh, this is a good one. Brightburn or Star Crash? Star Crash. I love me some cowboy robots. Brightburn. Redneck robot, mate. I have to abstain. 
today I'm deciding to go with which movie I enjoy more. And I enjoy Star Crash more. See, at least you're making your consistency as consistent and letting us know today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where are we at? We're at two and two right now. I can't vote. I haven't seen Star Crash. I can I can budge on the premise that I I'm changing my criteria from enjoyable to better made. If I change the criteria to that, then I'd go with Brightburn. Okay. Brightburn wins. Thank you for being inconsistent. <laughs> Brightburn. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, Brightburn wins. Brightburn or The Giver? Oh, Brightburn. <laughs> yeah, Brightburn. <laughs> We're just killing Nate slowly. <laughs> Brightburn okay. doesn't take a really, like, really, really good source material and just take a shit on it. Oh, see, this is where it comes in handy that I don't read. I'm going The Giver. There's also so much talent in that film. Meryl yeah. Streep, Jeff Bridges. Taylor Swift, come on, keep yeah. going. Hell yeah, Taylor Swift, sure. Yeah. Whatever, you know. A bright burn, and I, did, Tom, did you vote? Or... I've not seen the giver. Oh, lucky you! Brightburn <laughs> wins. <laughs> Brightburn or 1977's The Hobbit. Hobbit. Yeah, Brightburn. Hobbit. Brightburn. I don't even know what my criteria is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If we had it. Rewatched the Hobbit for the podcast. I would have had such fond memories of it, and so yeah, I'm totally yeah. going on that. I'm totally going on like <laughs> as a kid. That's an enjoyable film. I'm, I'm with you, Nate. <laughs> a, a disappointing childhood movie or a disappointing adult movie. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the Hobbit. And so, Hobbit like all wins. adults, we are repressing our childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're embracing your childhood. We're embracing our childhood. Yeah. We're being yeah. overly nostalgic about our childhood. Yes. Yeah. So the, the 50s wins, were great. The 50s. Which puts Brightburn at number 578. Uh, it is below Uncle Boo and Me, who can recall his past lives. Wow. <laughs> no way. It, it, it is below Transformers <laughs> Dark of the Moon. Bullshit. And it is below Hell Comes to Frogtown. Wow. Maybe. Maybe. I agree with that. It is above Megaforce. No. (laughs) Megaforce is awesome. Oh, that was great. It is above Scavenger Hunt. And (laughs) it is above Independence Day Regurgence. Yes. 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 So we are going to come back and we are going to talk about the House of Sweat and Tears. My pairing for Brian's choice of Brightburn was uh, House of Sweat and Tears. I mainly chose it because we were requested to review it by uh, Tricoast and Rock Salt Releasing. They asked us to review this House of Sweat and Tears. Uh, It's based on a real 1990s Spanish cult with 26 people that are still missing today. Nobody knows really what happened to them by Sonia Escalano. It's a Spanish language movie and should be coming out in, I think it was the first weekend in June. Yeah. Yeah, so it should be coming out in about a week. Um, Well, I guess a week from when we're recording, not a week from when this comes out. So by the time this comes out, the movie will be out. Um, So time. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm I'm just off the cuff, believe it or not. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) This entire thing was scripted. I feel like Tricoast and Roxol had some kind of misconception that this was like a professional, uh, like film review podcast, not just like a bunch of guys in a barn drinking and shooting the shit about movies. Well, they'll they'll learn their lesson. Yeah. Not uh, to make it sound like I, we don't appreciate <laughs> Tricos and Rock Salt. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure who to turn. You know what? I'm going to yeah. turn to the only one who could possibly like uh, Screensaver the movie. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so the only one that there's even a chance of. We've already reviewed Tree of Life. <laughs> Nate, what do you think all of right. First off, I'm actually interested in seeing Terrence Malick's next film, so <laughs> you guys can just shove it, and I might put it on the podcast. 
As far as this film goes, I mean, I you're probably right, Steve. I would probably have the most positive review of this. Well, tell uh, us what happens in the film a little bit. Uh, so there's a cult. <laughs> okay, I fell asleep. I fell asleep. I woke up and the credits were rolling. So I don't know how this ends. <laughs> 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 Maybe. Well, that was so a student being like trying to bullshit their way through an essay that they didn't study. And then I just I just accepted it. Um, wow. You know, one time I got an A for writing her paper on Northanger <laughs> Abbey, and I'd only read thirty pages of it. So. This has a very very European sensibility, a very much a foreign film, and it seems like um, it moves incredibly slow. It kind of gives you the day to day life of somebody in a religious cult that isolates themselves from the world, and it turns out that would be incredibly boring. <laughs> You missed the end of this film. You missed probably most of the action. Yeah. So stuff happened? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. okay. Well, Tom, go ahead and... Ex- well, actually, Nate, did you meet, did you meet Spanish Jesus? <laughs> yes, I got those jokes. Yeah. Okay. Jokes. The joke, not, not in the, <clears throat> the film. Jokes. The jokes yeah. that you guys were texting about it's Spanish hilarious. Jesus. Hilarious. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious when they crucified him. Oh, I didn't see. Uh, yeah. yeah. What? You missed the crucifixion? <laughs> Nate, you slept through half this movie. Okay. <laughs> Admittedly, yeah. If if there is any chance of them seeing us as professionals, <laughs> that that's gone. Completely gone. <laughs> There was a reason I called him Spanish Jesus. It, was, it had nothing to do with the fact that he was pretending to be Jesus. No, he actually gets crucified. Yeah. Wow. Pretty yeah. awful. It yeah. was rough. <laughs> it's one of the best scenes in the movie, though. So, Tom. I didn't... All right. We, we've, been, we've been privately making a lot of jokes, but I actually didn't think this was a bad movie. It has problems. It's a little... It starts to do interesting things when it introduces. All right, so you got the matriarch of this cult who basically they value pain, right? They yeah. they yeah. use use pain to purge themselves of sin. So when this man shows up, this this movie's biggest problem is that it shows you things and not like it needs to explain everything, but it doesn't give you enough to draw a conclusion about what's going on. Cuz there's the thing about Oh yeah. Then put putting on the masks and getting in the car, and they never, you never really know what's going on with the masks. You never really understand why this guy shows up suddenly. He's asking about Emma, a very specific person, but they never give you enough for you to even infer like what the relationship might be. You don't know why he would be posing as a Christ figure, as as Jesus actually specifically. It gets a little interesting when it's. Like him versus her and like the, you know, her um, fear-based faith versus him who's actually quoting Christ, you know, and his message of love. But then like they go to crucify him and he immediately is like, I'm not really him. And then she comes in and she's horrified that they're crucifying her, which I thought it was starting to get interesting at that point. But then basically the chick just kills everybody. Yeah. Right. Slowly. It's hard to explain because it you don't really know what the point of anything is. Yeah, that's uh, so like I saw it as Old Testament, New Testament. You had these two two opposing sides. Right. right? But then they one side's about, about pain and punishment and all that. And then the he comes in and he brings in the idea of, of forgiveness and turn the other grace. cheek. And yeah. And so right. it, it so I'm like, OK, so this is kind of a Old Testament, New Testament metaphor trying to I'm not quite sure where it's going what it's trying to explain, but I get it that something's going on here and I was mildly interested. And then he gets crucified. Okay, so this is where she's going to bring it together somehow and then everybody dies. Yeah. I'm like, uh, uh, what? I, I have no idea what she's trying to say. Or but the if... fact that, see, the fact that he shows up and like brings her back from the dead and then she comes in and she's horrified that they crucified this guy, started to give her some depth but it seemed like they never focused enough on one character. Yeah, there is no main that, character. That there was a through line that I could hold on to. And like I can appreciate that they're kind of using this cult to explore some of these themes. But again, like with Brightburn, again, there wasn't 
enough of a theme throughout the whole film. It's like it kept moving from one thing to another. And it seemed like it was only going for the shock value at the end. Yeah. Like, because there was no one character, one story, That's I think that's why it's kind of locked on to the metaphor. Okay, this movie is a metaphor. You know, has some meaning beyond just, okay, characters. Okay, I, that's fine. I can get on board with that. But then you have to right. go somewhere. You have to make it mean yeah. something at the end. And the fact that it was just... Yeah, and there was a lot of the scenes with... Um, oh, what's her name? Emma, the one that kills herself at the dinner table. Yeah. Like that scene and the scenes like leading up to that were interesting. But then like this guy shows up out of nowhere and starts asking about it, but you don't know why and who he is and why he would be pretending to be Jesus. Yeah. You know? What his angle um, is. Right. Like, I mean, it's a it's an atmospheric film and like it does that pretty well, but there's just a lot of scenes that, like the scene, the sex scene, like where she goes in and she starts stimulating that guy, the old guy under the blanket, and then she starts riding him and it's like it's going on and on and on. It's like, what's the point of the scene? Yeah. Yep. So there are a lot of scenes like that where it just, it didn't, the pieces don't really come together. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think, Brian? <laughs> I didn't dislike the movie, but I do feel that, you know, it without having what feels like a true main character, it does kind of lose an interest for me. Right, cuz was uh, it was it Sophie that seemed like it was she was supposed to be the proxy for the audience? I think so, yeah. I don't remember any of the, the names. I, I think it was Sophie. She's the one that ends up she's the one that him. dropped the egg, right? Yes, and she's the oh. one that ends up slowly murdering each person person by person yeah like they show each and every one but she seems like she's supposed to be the proxy but then the movie kind of drifts away from her for a long time until it comes back to her at the end where she's just killing everybody but you don't know why i think she was the one she was the one that was having the most wasn't she the one that was most affected by when they crucified the guy though yeah because she she was she was basically in love with him i mean that that that's to me, the only reason why she would have done it, if, if she had become so disillusioned by the cult because of that one thing, that's the, to me, the only reason she would have gone and killed yeah. all the people. But at the same time, like the, the movie doesn't show that she has this in her. Nothing really leads to something else. There is a little, little bit that with Emma, the one that cuts her own throat at the dinner table. Like that scene is is well done. Like she drowns her father in the bathtub because she feels like there's no hope anymore. Right. Right. And then immediately next scene, she's at the dinner table. She kills herself. Everybody stops. I think they're all singing a uh, hymn and they stop and they look at her and then they go back to eating like that. That stuff's really well done. But then it goes immediately from that to a completely different thing with this Jesus poser showing up and having these arguments with the matriarch where he's just, it's just him like regurgitating Bible verses, but one Bible verse is not really connected to another. It's like, it's like they read a bunch of Bible verses and like, you know, oh, this is just something Jesus said. We'll put that in there. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a character. He seems like just a plot point. It's a very strange mixed bag. The, the fact that this is about a, a, real, a, cult. An, a, a real cult, I don't know if I'm willing to forgive the fact that she just she seemingly killed them without any sort of actual motivation to do so. But I don't know if I actually can do that. It kind of it kind of just seems like an exploitation movie, just a really slow moving one. Well, why don't we go ahead and give this grades? <laughs> Is Kevin even, Did Kevin really even watch? Uh, no, Kevin had to leave. Oh. Was one of his children actually an alien? And are they deciding to... <laughs> that would explain a lot of their behavior. <laughs> so, sorry, Tricos and Roxholt. I, 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 don't, I don't think the movie's terrible. I don't yeah. think it... There's, there's merit to it. It's just... Yeah. It doesn't... I think it just failed to some degree at what it was trying to do. And because... I'm not saying that just to get on the good side of the distributor that gave this a yeah. Like, for the... For probably the first half of this movie, I was like really like because I, I texted Steve. I was like, "You really took a one for the team using this as your pick." But there, there are there were interesting scenes and thematic things happening. It's just like it didn't really all come together. Who might we recommend this film to? Like, what type of a person would enjoy this film? You, honestly, 
<laughs> no, they, like if I was gonna, if I had to recommend this to somebody, it would be you. Now, when this was over, I was like, I'm gonna be the one that likes this the most. That's just the feeling I had. And she was the. This is her first movie that she directed solo. First feature length film she directed solo. Oh really? Um, Sonia Escolano. Yeah, she had she had done another feature length film back in 2009, but she co-directed it with her co-writer. I mean, it shows craft. It just the sense I get is it's this. It's just a sensibility. It's a sensibility of not everything needs to be explained and atmosphere and exploring these themes is enough. And sometimes it is. I mean, everything doesn't need to be explained, especially in a horror movie or like this kind of a film. But too much is introduced that is left unexplained without even like enough breadcrumbs for the audience to infer or to like build upon it. I don't know. I, I needed a little more context, I think, to what, will... to, to what this was, what this cult was, where they were, why, like why this guy would suddenly show up and pretend to be Christ. Yeah. I, did you feel and, like she was rushing to the ending or like? No, I didn't feel like she was rushing. I just felt like she didn't feel like she needed to explain certain things that we really needed to have explained because all right, so you're starting out, you're basically starting out with Sophie as a proxy for the audience. And then in the middle of the movie, it shifts to Emma, which is actually one of the more interesting stretches of the film. But then she kills herself and we're going back to Sophie and so and how Sophie is relating to this messianic character. But because we've shifted away from Sophie and we haven't, it's like we haven't seen the Emma episode happen through Sophie's eyes. We're just suddenly going back to Sophie and we don't know why. This is another movie, though, where the the basic premise is when I read the premise, I was actually kind of excited. The idea of like there's this cult, 26 people, and they just vanished. Right. They just disappeared and nobody knows what happened to them. And this is, is that the, what actually happened, though? That That's what the press release said. I know, um, but I read the Wikipedia article on the actual cult. Yeah. And there there was nothing about 26 people disappearing. Oh, well, so I kind of I kind of feel like that was just marketing. Yeah. Even so, like if that if whether it happened or not, that's kind of irrelevant. Right. It the idea that that's the story and that's a story that's going to be told is it's it's intriguing. I was interested in the idea. And then this is more just of a, a kind of follow people around and see what happens. There's no mystery being solved. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem is that. There's a lot of mystery being presented. Yeah. But we don't understand why this old woman died and then was brought back to life by this messianic character. And then why he was crucified and was denying being a messiah. And then why she would kill everybody and they just wander off. So grades? Ready to do grades? You're in charge of this, man. Okay. Let's do grades. Tom? I'm going to give this a C. I mean, there's enough there. It's, it's, it's compelling enough. Um, it gives me enough to think about that it's uh, it's it's more on the positive side than negative. But I just wish there had been a little more of a thematic through line. Okay, Brian? I'm also going to give it a C. Um, honestly, I think if it hit the two-hour runtime instead of the hour 45, you know, we might have gotten enough information, but we may have just gotten more noise. Adding? More yeah, I feel, like, I feel like there was filler. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of filler. It wasn't just that it was slow, it was that there was filler. That was one of the problems. Okay. Uh, Nate, are, do you feel comfortable giving this a grade? No, because I didn't really finish it. And I feel like what you guys were talking about with how monumental that, I mean, killing all the characters is a pretty big shift. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like it would be important for me to go back and rewatch this. Let's put it this way. It's a series of people being slowly stabbed through the throat. Yes. Oof. And it's like 12 in a row. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, if it's all the if it's the whole cult. Yeah. Yep. And it's one by one, every single one shown slowly in detail. And they just let her do this. Well, they're most of them are sleeping. And OK, uh, I think a couple of them, she gives the impression that she's seducing them. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that just reminds me of the uh, I mean, I know Steve's seen this movie, but blindness, the scissor scene. Oh, no, I, 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 I didn't get to that point. Yeah, I turned that off. That movie's gross. <laughs> um, so I, I'm giving this a D. It's I, I it's there's talent there, but it st still feels very student film. Like this isn't this is a 
a student film from one of the most promising filmmakers at art school, but it still feels like a student film. Yeah, I felt that way about the movie Doubt. Doubt? Doubt with Amy <laughs> Adams and Meryl Streep. Oh. Just felt film school. <laughs> yeah. So that's the connection my brain made anyway. <laughs> okay. and then my mouth settled. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no, I, that's perfect. And then my mouth said it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so let's see. With two C's, a D, and an abstain. It gives it a C minus. Uh, yes. Movie questions? Uh, yeah. Okay, this isn't, I don't know. I it find was this more question. or less boobies, wasn't it? No, no. <laughs> it's which character would you eat first in an alive situation? <laughs> Uh, Spanish Jesus. Darn it, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Body of Christ, man. <laughs> oh, okay, that's perfect. I was waiting for something else, but that's that's just perfect. Nothing will beat wow. that. <laughs> okay. This is my body, which is broken for you. <laughs> Eat this in remembrance of me. Man. Okay, one more movie question. What would it be, be like living next to these characters? I mean, they're uh, pretty quiet. Yeah, you'd probably end up on a on a news program being, they seemed like nice people. Yeah, I don't think, they don't seem to come and get people. Like they didn't bother people. anybody. They just kind of stayed yeah. to themselves. Yeah, I feel like the masks were just to be creepy. Yeah. Yeah, the, just, that's just a horror trope. Well, and the let's... other weird thing is, and, and you, you might notice this when you add this to Flickchart, is that this movie actually has character posters. Oh, It's yeah. really just, bizarre. For such a small, moody horror movie, it has like two different series of character posters. It's huh. really strange. Well, speaking of flick chart, uh, let's add House of Sweat and Tears to our flick chart. First matchup, House of Sweat and Tears versus Things Change from 1988. You know, actually, in this case, I'm going to go House of Sweat and Tears. I'm going to go Things Change. Because for all of House of Sweat and Tears' problems, I still find it to be a compelling mood piece. I'm going to really go talk Things about the Change. Acting. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm going to go Things Change. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and Nate's not voting on this one? Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I don't feel like I can having only seen... 45-ish minutes. Things change wins. Um, and that puts House of Sweat and Tears up against straight out of Compton. House of Sweat and Tears. I, I, I agree with Tom. I'm going to go House of Sweat and Tears. Really? I'm the one that's going straight out of Compton? Yes, you are. Uh, and you deal with I don't feel good about it, but it's. I think it's better. Okay. Wow. Uh, House of Sweat and Tears wins. And that puts it up against another uplifting cinema classic, Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Why is that in the bottom half? Because it's super, super depressing. <laughs> yeah. It's better, for sure, but it's super, super depressing. We're all going Manchester by the Sea. Sounds like a good vacation. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, okay, so that puts House of Sweat and Tears up against Willow. 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 Oh, yeah. Willow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll go Willow. House <laughs> of Sweat and Tears and Idiocracy. 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 Okay. Good. You mean the documentary Idiocracy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> House of Sweat and Tears versus Victor Victoria. I have not seen it, so you guys have to agree. House of Sweat and Tears. House of Sweat and Tears. That's what House. this was missing was musical numbers. <laughs> uh, House of Sweat and Tears or Stranger Than Paradise. Stranger Than Paradise. I agree. House of Sweat and Tears. <laughs> I figured that. <laughs> House of Sweat and Tears or The A-Team, an old one. Our first... The first film we ever did on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I rewatched it. <laughs> I'm probably more likely to watch the A-Team again, but I'll go House of Sweat and Tears. I think it's just, it's got more craft. I'm going to go with the A-Team. Yeah, I'm also going A-Team. House of Sweat and Tears or Enemy Mine? Enemy Mine. Yes, I agree with Brian. House of Sweat and Tears. Doesn't matter. Fight uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> House of Sweat and Tears or... Uh, podcast favorite, The Married Gentleman. I haven't seen uh, the Black Eye movie. Black Eye 
No, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen either. I, I was gonna, I was gonna, <laughs> you did. You saw a brother from another planet. That was a black guy movie. Um, wow, Steve, just pick one and it's fine. <laughs> no, you have to decide, you have to make a decision. I'm going House of Sweat and Tears. So that puts House of Sweat and Tears at number 466 on our flick chart out of 634. It is above Green Street Hooligans, Break Into Electric Boogaloo, (laughs) and... Is any movie really above that? John Wick (laughs) Chapter (laughs) 2? What the fuck? (laughs) Do we need to re-rank that shit now? I hope you've enjoyed listening to us here at Buried Cinema. Make sure you subscribe to one of the many platforms where you can find our show. You can find us at Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Buried Cinema. If you'd like to contribute to help keep our show going, you can donate through BuriedCinema.com. For those that donate, we periodically give away prizes and allow you to suggest movies so you can make us watch anything you want. Thanks so much and stay tuned for our next movie review. I thought it was interesting in Brightburn. We were watching the credits, and twice they listed a snake wrangler. I saw that too. And then immediately afterwards, the medic. <laughs> and I found that quite concerning. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. And it was there the same. There no snakes in the movie, though, right? I know. That's why I'm like, wait a minute. There was no What's snakes. Snake so I'm, I'm thinking maybe in Kansas they had to be careful of snakes. But I don't know. They, they, shot, that's... they shot in Georgia. Maybe they were having problems with snakes on set. Yeah. yeah. They to keep the snakes out. Oh. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little I bet weird. You that's what it was. I bet you they were shooting in the woods in Georgia and they had yeah. to wrangle snakes without killing any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had, because uh, I actually read an article about actually John Wick, where they had they had a hell of a time keeping cats off the set because they shot oh, in New York. That, yeah. They did. Oh. It, it said on the thing like cat wrangler or something like yeah. that, and there <laughs> were no cats in that movie. I do yeah. remember that. <laughs> It's because they had to like keep them out of like, uh, shot, but they're like they're like cats, you know, like literally they were trying to herd cats. Oh uh, yeah, well, that's there, great. There is, there is a cat in John McFree. Was yeah. there? Okay. Yeah, Mark Dacascos is a cat person. Yeah, but like He's just on his, his his scenes on the street, they had trouble apparently keeping the cats out of them. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, the cat wrangler. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it actually said cat trainer, which is cat probably trainer. even yeah. better. Which means it was just a guy with a broom going, get out of here. Yeah. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I heard cats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a teacher? No, no, I literally heard cats. Yeah. Where? The streets of New York. <laughs> Disney World. Yeah. Mm. All right, fifth try. Let's do this. So who's starting? <laughs>